Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everyone. This is Tara Bentley, your host of the Informer Podcast, and I am back today with Stacey Hannaway, one of our regional reps with the IEG. Good afternoon, Stacey. Oh. Hi, Tara. How are you? Well, we're doing good. Well, you know, we did one episode already on frequently asked questions for new homeschoolers, and we are back with part two today. One of, let's start with one of the questions that you ask me, or one of the questions that you get asked a lot, actually, which really is not from new homeschoolers, but it really is, what do regional reps do? So I thought, let me go ahead and just give you a chance to tell people what IAAG regional reps do and why they might want to go ahead and get in contact with their regional reps. Well, regional reps have a lot of different hats that we wear. Um, it's our job to kind of know well, to know what's going on as far as the laws in our state. Um, we're pretty informative about, you know, curriculum, um, what goes on in our area. So what different support groups are there, um, what maybe co-ops are there. Um, we also try to keep up on, you know, curriculum sales, um, just anything that goes on in our area, any kind of special activities. Like since I'm in the Fort Wayne area, we have like Science Central and we have a zoo and we have a lot of activities that go on. And so we try to keep up to date on everything that's going on so that we can pass that information out so that you know other homeschoolers can take that opportunity to, um, to, to go do those things with other homeschool families. Um, the other thing that you know, we try to be there, we're there to serve the homeschooler. So, um, you know, any questions that you have about anything, you know, from curriculum to the laws to just, you know, I'm having a problem with my child doing this, you know, do you know of anyone, do you know of testing in an area, let's say you have a child that you think might have some learning disabilities. Um, it's, we're just kind of supposed to be knowledgeable of our whole area and what's out there that's, um, that's there for the homeschooler to take opportunity to use. And I think that one very important thing that we need to point out is that the IEG is a volunteer organization, and our regional reps are uh, just a huge asset to our organization uh, for families. And you guys volunteer your time. Um, you invest a lot into the homeschool community around you. And um, I, I know I appreciate everything that our regional rep couples do. We have 16 regional rep couples um, across the state. You are just one of them. But um, they're all just wonderful, wonderful couples who help new families as they get started or, you know, there's great assets in their local community. Right. And when I get a new phone call, I mean, when I get a phone call from a new homeschooler, I always ask, you know, where, what county are you in? And I try to get you connected or get them connected with the regional rep. 
um, even if you know they've asked me a bunch of questions, it's 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 that person that's there. We're a tool in your tool belt. We're right there for you. Um, yes, we all are volunteers, and we obviously live busy lives. Um, but we are there for each homeschooler to help them to help make their journey the best that it can be as well. Yes. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate what you do and what all of our regional reps do. So, well, let's get started with some of our frequently asked questions from new homeschoolers. And some of these questions that we'll be talking about today are questions that sometimes you get on phone calls uh, through the office, or sometimes these are questions that we see a lot of in our Facebook group. So we just kind of pulled a new handful of questions for today. And we do encourage everyone, if you have questions that you would like to see answered here on our podcast, go ahead and put them on our page, on our Facebook page, or on our podcast page here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. So the question we're going to start with today is actually kind of, uh, we'll throw some combination questions out here, because we see a lot of parents of really young kids with a lot of questions. Those questions range from how young can I start homeschooling my student, what's the best preschool curriculum, um, just all of those sorts of things. People are looking for the right way to give their student a great advantage when they're really young. So what kind of pieces of information do you have for those families? Well, as far as how young you can start, that's totally up to you and to the child. Um, you don't want to push a child too far too fast, um, you know, trying to teach them things that they're still learning developmentally. You know, they're not, their fine motor skills aren't necessarily all ready, even their gross motor skills, depending on the child. Um, so if you feel that a child is ready, there's nothing wrong with going ahead and starting them. As far as statewide, um, you're not required to start any formal education until they're seven years old. So, you know, you've got some playtime in there. But if you feel that, you know, they're four and they're really inquisitive and they want to start learning things, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing um, not necessarily a full-blown curriculum, but doing educational things. I did a lot with my boys when they were younger, um, just a lot of games. Um, you know, just different activities that we did that incorporated learning, but it wasn't necessarily on a formal level. Um, it's it's laying that that base work for them. You don't want to to make it so that they're not going to like school later, but you can still be teaching them things in in play and in you know different activities, even the cheap. Um, like activity books you get from like Walmart and places, you know, those, there's activities in there that, that help starting them learn their fine motor skills, um, you know, with coloring or tracing or even um, um, maps, um, different things like that to just get that, to start laying that foundation. I, I absolutely agree, and I love how you're talking about being informal because I think that this is really one of those times where, and we've talked about this a little bit before in different episodes, and I think even in the episode that you and I did, it's the difference between homeschooling and school at home. And so I think we see a lot of parents come on our Facebook group 
they have this preschooler, they know they want to homeschool, and so they're asking for a curriculum. And I'm with you. When With my youngest, uh, when we were homeschooling at that age, that Walmart aisle was my best friend. I did not spend money on you know, expensive curriculum. We did a lot of flashcards. We did a lot of really inexpensive just um, books from Walmart, the little workbooks. And I think that that is, there's nev you're never too young to start homeschooling, but you don't want to make the mistake of trying to do some official school at home when they're that young. Well, you know, that's one of the benefits of homeschooling too is you want children to make the natural connections. Um, I think too much in one of the reasons, you know, that homeschooling is successful is we let them make those natural connections. You know, when they when they go to a formal education type um, formal education, it's it's kind of a cookie cutter type more recipe. And I don't mean that in a down way. It's just they have certain things that they think they have to know at certain times. But if you let a child do things naturally and make those natural collection, you know, connections, have have all the information there for them. You know, even if it's posters or um, flashcards, it doesn't matter what the median is. They will eventually start to make the connections. I I get such a bang out of my kids still, even in the older years, um, well, they're middle years. But you know, you're doing something and you're and you're maybe teaching it or you know, doing it in play, and then later so you'll be somewhere completely different, and they'll be like, oh, well, that's like when we did such and such the other day, and you're like, yeah, you know, let them make those natural connections because when those are made, that's going to last with them a whole lot longer than, you know, forcing it into them at a certain time. Right, because I think absolutely the most important thing that you can do in those first couple of years, whether you're talking about preschool, kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, all the way, you know, in that wide span, you have to make learning fun. And, and making learning fun is the most important piece. It's not about, you know, checking off a box in a science workbook or, you know, even a phonics workbook, but what you do in those early years really sets the stage for lifelong learning. Most definitely. And don't, I think sometimes we get caught up that, you know, well, my child needs to know this by this time. Um, I'll be honest, I have a third grader that still sometimes finger counts, even when he's doing some multiplication. And he has patterns. He's learned like nine families different, and this is with multiplication, different patterns. And that's just how his brain works. Now, his brother learns things for rote. And he can just, you know, you give him times facts and it's blah, 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 blah. Where, where the younger one, you know, he has a different way of thinking about it. And that's what's, you know, awesome about homeschooling as well. You can let them, you know, because they've made the natural connection. It's not that they don't know it. They just have a different way of getting to there. And that's not wrong. Right, right. And I think that your experience there talking about the two uh, students is really key. One of the things that you and I talked about in the first episode that we did was talking about choosing curriculum and where to find curriculum. And we had kind of cautioned people to not rush into making those decisions and to take time to get to know themselves and to get to know their students' learning styles. 
But we throw out a term like learning files um, very easily because we know what we mean when we say that. But for a lot of new homeschoolers, that's that's new that's new terminology. And so we that's maybe one of the things that we probably should spend some time on is discussing learning files for different families. It takes a long time, I think, to sometimes it's very clear what the learning style of your child is, and sometimes it isn't. And there are different curriculums that suit different learning styles. So when you're in those early years, it can be very easy to really a mismatch to find you know to purchase a piece of curriculum that is just a mismatch for your child. And we've all done it. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just one of those mistakes that all homeschool parents uh, go through. Is sometimes right. you just bought a piece of curriculum that's not a good fit. So, what, why don't you talk to us a little bit about learning styles, getting to know your kid, and explain a little bit more about that for new families? Okay. Well, learning styles basically is just how your child learns. Um, there's seven different learning styles. Um, you have your visual learner. Um, which learns very well from like pictures and, and maps and things like that. Um, you have your physical learner who does who learns more um, by play, um, by physically doing it. It's also a tactile learner, you know, by manipulating things. Um, right. You have um, an auditory learner, which you know you can and verbal kind of goes with that too, um, but where you can tell them something, you know, one that does well with like, well, just being told like a lecture type type thing. Um, you can learn through music, um, which is your oral. Um, you've got your logical learners. You've got your social learners. And you've got your solitary learners, which are ones that, you know, are very independent learning. So the biggest thing is to kind of watch your child and see when they grasp you know, the most, what, what do they kind of tend to go to? Do they really like to engage you in conversation? You know, are they learning that way? Um, like I said, I have one that still kind of finger counts. He's more of a tactile learner. He, he likes objects. So when I was teaching him beginning math things, we had, you know, base 10 blocks, and um, you can use Legos, you can use all kinds of different things, but they need to touch it and feel it and move it for it to make sense. Um, so it's it's basically, you know, just kind of watching them and, you know, you kind of know how you learn and just kind of see they may learn the same way, but yet they may have a completely different way. It's, it's seeing where they get the greatest concept of what you're trying to explain to them, which way does it the best. And when you're starting out especially, it's good to present things in several different forms. Um, because that gives the child more opportunity and it gives you a better understanding of how they're going to learn. You know, maybe they learn really well through, you know, counting, going, doing stairs or running or I know I know some parents that, you know, they've done homeschool out on a trampoline um, just because their kid needs the movement. So it's it's just seeing which way your child learns best. And then trying to match that up to a piece of curriculum, which I know that all everything that you just talked about can be very overwhelming for new families. Yeah. But you don't they don't have to figure I guess we just want to make sure that we say you don't have to have that all figured out when you get started. 
No, most definitely not. And, you know, each curriculum, I think, yes, there's some that are set up, um, like Matthew C. set up very much, you know, touch more textile kind of thing. Um, but any curriculum that you do purchase, um, there are ways to manipulate it to work towards your child as well. Um, yes, you want to get one that, that fits your needs, their needs the best, but there's room always within a curriculum. You know, I know a lot of curriculum sells, this is the teacher guide, this is the student guide, this is how it should be done. Well, it's a guide. It's not this is the law. You know, don't be afraid to take a curriculum because you like aspects of it and change it to fit your child. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, it's it's making everything work together so that it cohesives well, so that your child, you know, gets the most out of it. Right. Great information. Well, one of the other questions that you get a lot is, are there statistics that show that homeschoolers do better than public school students? I'm sure you get all forms of this question, from academics to just, you know, the socialization question, of course, to going forward into college. So what kind of statistics show the success of homeschooling? Hey, that's more your ballpark than mine. I know there are some studies out there, and we, <laughs> and we do have some of them listed on the um, IAG page as well. And, you know, I tell, tell parents when I get asked that question, you know, there's statistics for everything. You can make a statistic for anything that you want to make one out there for. Um, I think the proof is in the pudding. When you have met up with other homeschool families, when you talk to veteran homeschool moms and you see what our homeschool students are accomplishing. You know, the fact that the colleges are looking more towards the homeschoolers because we're independent learners and that kind of thing, I think that's proof in the pudding that, you know, it, it works well. I agree. I mean, there absolutely are studies that show the success of homeschooling. Um, there are uh, there are lots of links on our website, and we encourage people to check out our website. Um, I'll give a little, and uh, I'm gonna chop this sentence out, or what I just said out. But <laughs> we have a lot of great. Yeah, we have a lot of these kind of links on our website about the uh, success of homeschooling. There's been lots of great surveys done over the years. You see uh, homeschool graduates, obviously, in professional sports. You see them in politics. You see them in uh, fields of medicine and everywhere. So I think that there are a lot of anecdotal uh, stories that we could share about the success of homeschooling as well as just the statistics um, and the surveys. But really, there's just the modern homeschool movement is over 30 years old at this point, and I think it is proven to be very successful in pretty much every way across the board. I would agree. Okay, well, one of the other questions that you receive are from families who say they cannot find a local support group, and what should they do? 
Well, each area, you know, there are support groups in most areas and some there's not. If you just can't find anything and get connected, I would encourage you to start one. Um, you know, it sounds overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be something huge. A support group doesn't have to be something formal either. Um, I know in, in my own personal county, we don't have a lot. Um, but there's a group of that, you know, we try to do something together every now and then. Um, but if you can't find a support group but you know of a few families, there's nothing wrong with starting one. Your regional reps would be glad to give you information on how to do that as well. Um, or also finding a mentor, um, finding just other homeschoolers, you know, to have another homeschool mom that, you know, gets it, um, that understands what you're going through as a homeschool mom, that does a lot uh, for an individual in and of itself. You know, it doesn't, a big support group or lots of people, but there's nothing wrong with smaller um, mentoring type groups either. And I think that that is, it is really important. I think that, like you said, it can seem overwhelming to a new mom to uh, start a support group because maybe they're looking at a more established group, a larger group that is further away, or maybe they're looking at a co-op, which is typically families that come together to work, do classes and uh, share responsibilities at different uh, subjects versus just a good old-fashioned support group where moms get together, maybe plan some field trips, have some mom's nights, just have some encouraging one-on-one -on -one time with moms. I, I don't know about you, but personally where I live, co-ops really have taken off and support groups have kind of become smaller. And you don't see a lot of that anymore. And I think that's kind of a shame. I think that for a lot of new moms, that is really what they're looking for rather than a big co-op. So absolutely, if you're a new mom out there or even a veteran mom who is struggling because you haven't made some personal connections Absolutely, look at starting just a local support group uh, for you, for your families, to get some people together and have those resources of other people that you can talk to. And I've been really pleased in our area. Um, we have a few larger co-ops, and within those they started having um, mom nights. Um, so, oh, about a week ago or so, I went to a Saturday thing that was just, you know, whatever moms could get together. Um, and actually, tonight I'm going to a mom's thing. But it's it's important for moms to get together. Um, I told my husband not too long ago, I said, you know, when you're with other moms that aren't necessarily homeschool moms, that um, maybe they send their kids to public school um, or some kind of formal education, they don't understand really what a homeschool mom is really like. Um, I know that sounds kind of funny, but you need another homeschool mom. It's important to connect with other homeschool moms because our lives are different. I mean, we have our kids 24-7. We're not only mom, but, you know, we're the teacher. We're all these, we wear all these different hats. Not that a, a general mom doesn't do that, but it's just a different atmosphere. It's a different lifestyle, and, and you need that mom. You know, and I have, my best friend is another homeschool mom, and there's days, you know, they, you just need to text and just 
blah out, you know, whatever's going on because there's days that it's frustrating or days that something awesome happened and you want to share it. And the people that are going to understand it the most is another homeschool mom because they've been there, they're doing it, they understand. I had a mom tell me this last week that one day, or there's days that, you know, she wants to chase down the school bus and throw her kids on there and just have a break for the day. You know, and another, <laughs> another mom's not going to understand that. You know, we're a homeschool mom. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I understand because you have those days. I mean, that's part of it. Homeschooling is a different lifestyle, and you need that. You need that support. And I think that what, you know, just to use your example there, I think that, you know, if you had told another mom who's not homeschooling, some days I want to chase that bus down and put my kid on the bus, someone else might say to you, well, then why don't you? But right. you, have to be, you have to have the heart of a homeschool mom to know that that's not, it doesn't mean you have to give up. You, you can have a struggle. We all struggle. You all have days where you feel like you can't do it or don't want to do it, but you need another homeschool mom who's willing to be in the trenches with you, lift you up and say, I understand that, but tomorrow will be better or it's going to be worth it or I had those days, here's how we got through it. You need to have other moms that share the same vision that you do to walk alongside of you so that when you do want to express some frustration or some stress, they know where you're coming from. Oh, I agree. And, you know, the other thing that I took it to a different level than I was thinking about it, and I was talking to my boys, and I said, you know, I said, you know mommy needs other homeschool mommies. I said, but you need other homeschool kids, don't you? Because your life is different too, you know, and sometimes we don't think about that. But the fact that you have another homeschool mom, and even if you only get together once in a while, you know, the fact that the homeschool kids, because when they go to church, they're not necessarily all around homeschool kids. When they go to different activities, you know, they're around public school kids too. And sometimes those kids don't get it as much as a homeschool kid gets it either. You know, they it's just, it's interesting just the different, it's a, it's a way of life. It's a wonderful way of life, but it's, it's a way of life. Right, absolutely. Well, we said we would keep it short and sweet today. And I think we have, and I'm glad we've answered a lot of questions, and we'll come back and answer more questions uh, if families want to submit their questions to us. But I actually said I had one more question for you. And this is actually a question that a lot of moms don't ask. Um, so this is my question. Because I think that a lot of moms do put false expectations on themselves um, or just standards that they think they have to meet and they think that they once they've been homeschooling for so long that they're going to be an expert, that all of a sudden it's going to be easy, um, or they're brand new and they're just thinking, okay, well, once I've outlined my day, I've bought my curriculum, then it's going to be easy. And we're always looking for this point in time where we're going to be the homeschool expert and it's all going to be okay. And so my question is, when does that happen? When do you become a homeschool expert? Well, you know as well as I do, I don't think you ever become a homeschool expert. Um, you know, you're learning with your child, and as you go through things, um, there's always new challenges. There's always new things. I haven't even ever talked to a veteran homeschool mom. Um, in, I know quite a few now that are grandmothers 
you know, of their grandchildren are being homeschooled and they still have questions and they still have things. You know, you just don't become an expert. It's not going to happen. It's a learning process. Um, I think some things get easier, but then there's always new challenges. And we can't, we can't put too high expectations on ourselves. Um, we need to learn, and I'm just as guilty as the next mom, that, you know, some things just aren't going to happen or maybe they're not going to happen the way that we've seen them. But, you know, we can't plan all that out. That's in God's hands, and we just have to do our best and keep on keeping on. And I do think that one of the things that when we first started homeschooling, uh, one of the decisions that we made early on was that we were going to do this, we were going to commit to doing this for two years. Uh, And I've shared in the past uh, with kind of how we started homeschooling, it was not, we did not start homeschooling out of a place of conviction. We started out of a place of fear based on different things that were going on in our local public school. And so we thought that it was going to be a temporary solution. Obviously, that all changed for us, but because we did commit to two years, it gave me a little bit more of a long-term vision of not to give up in those rough days. And I know that in our first year, there were so many rough days. And I think that you have to have a long, at least a couple, maybe one year, if not two-year vision when you first get started because I, I really think it takes at least that long to not become an expert because I agree with you. We don't become experts, but we at least become comfortable enough to accept those rough days, accept that there will be some mistakes along the way, that there will always be a better way, a different way, but it takes a year or two to feel comfortable enough in what you're doing to just keep moving forward and to have enough momentum behind you to say, we're going to do this. We can keep doing this. Right. It's definitely not um, a quick fix. And and sometimes you get those phone calls of of moms looking for that. You know, for us, um, we had our oldest when he was ready for school. We had them all signed up. It was the first year our school had gone to all-day kindergarten, and I was very much against that. Um, however, I thought, you know, at that point in time, I'd been a public school teacher. This was just what you did. And not that we hadn't toyed with homeschooling, but my son actually asked to be homeschooled before kindergarten even began. And at that point in time, you know, I said, we'll go to like fifth grade because that's when junior high starts for our, for our school system. And, um, you know, I said, well, reevaluate at that point. Well, you know, again, God just convicted and just how things went, your convictions convictions just change and your mindset changes and it all just, it kind of evolves and just goes. But yeah, you definitely have to give it, you have to give it time. It's not going to happen overnight. And I do think that I, this really makes me think about the fact that we have seen increasingly over the past couple years, especially as homeschooling has become extremely successful and extremely popular, we see now more than ever families who are willing to pull their kids out in the middle of the school year and 
I mean, January, March, you know, on an impulse, they're pulling their kids out of school because they're really struggling with stuff. Now, I, I'm not saying and I'm not advocating for leaving your kid in a bad situation, but very often what happens is these families are pulling their kids out of school in the middle of the school year, I'm sorry, out of the public school system to start homeschooling them, and that can be good and bad. You know, you don't have to have all of your research done up front to know exactly what you're wanting to do, but sometimes those families have not developed that long-term vision yet. Very much so, and and you don't you don't want to make it a spur of this decision because you don't you also don't want to be transferring them into a homeschool and then transferring back into public school and then maybe transferring back into homeschool because the kid the child needs the stability as well. Um, either I think you need to to say you know we're we are committed we are going to give this you know x amount of time. Um, definitely don't just pull out just because things aren't right. I don't I think that can be more detrimental than it would be helpful in the long run. Right. Well I think again we have a lot of great follow up uh articles and different blog posts on our website for families who want more information and they can visit us on the website at www.iahe.net. They can also go on our website, find their regional rep uh, get their contact information, get a hold of them. And again, we just really encourage families to do that. If you're in Indiana and you don't have a local network or a local connection, talk to your regional rep and see how you can make that happen. Start a local support group. Um, and if you have follow-up questions to any of the things that we've talked about today, again, you can drop us a comment and we'd be happy to help answer those questions for you. Most definitely. Well, thank you very much, Stacey. I appreciate the time that you spent with us today. And we will be back maybe again with a third episode sometime in the future. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tara. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.